Jed presented two really important foundational messages yesterday. And so when, um, I'll share a little bit more tomorrow, but he mentioned that when I gave my heart to Jesus, I was 19. I was baptized at 13, but I gave my heart to Jesus when I was 19. And I did not know what to expect. Anybody here the same? You, you give your heart to Jesus, but you just don't know what to expect. You kind of, okay, so I'm, I'm waiting for this whatever to happen. But my journey was a progressive one, and that's the way it is. Your journey is progressive. That first step, and I, I like to visualize it like this. There's Jesus over there, and I'm like this, okay? Jesus is here, and it's love that draws. Is that right, Jeremiah? Love draws. Christ's love draws from the time you're born till you respond. So I'm 19, and his love is drawing me. And it's interesting because that's what I needed. I did not have a sense that I was a sinner. Is that weird? When, but I needed love. And that's what he drew me with, love. So that's what my need was, and I responded. And I went his direction. That is the first step. To know and believe the love God has for you is the first step. And so he placed some security in my life. I needed love and security. But I didn't know what we were going to do after that. So my journey has been continuous. There's a lot of stuff that, you know, I, I kind of feel sorry for him, for Jesus, because he has a lot of stuff to work through in our lives, doesn't he? And, but praise God, he can do it. There's nothing too hard for him. So let's go ahead and have prayer. Father in heaven, these folks want to know more. And so I pray today that you will please speak to their hearts individually, Lord. Each one here in this room has a different need. And I know that you can meet each one. And so, Lord, I just pray today that you will help me as we present how to meet the enemy. It will give them tools they can use, Father, in their journey. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. We will be leaving outlines on that table over there against the wall. So as you come in, there will be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Tomorrow there will be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, etc. So if you've missed the first two or you missed one, there should be some extras. Okay, Christianity 24-7, living it. Mrs. White writes in one of her books about this vision she had. She was on a boat, and she hears this loud voice says, Oops, honey, what happened to my thing? No, that's, that's not the one I want. Oh, I hit the wrong one. There we go. One night, a scene was clearly presented before me. Now, she had gone to sleep with this burden on her heart. And as the Lord does, he gave her 
gave her a vision or he gave her a dream or something that would answer that burden she had. One night, a scene was clearly presented before me. A vessel was upon the waters in a heavy fog. Suddenly, the lookout cried, Iceberg, just ahead! There, towering high above the ship, was a gigantic iceberg. An authoritative voice cried out, Meet it! There was not a moment's hesitation. It was a time for instant action. The engineer put, put on full steam, and the man at the wheel steered the ship straight into the iceberg. With a crash, she struck the ice. There was a fearful shock, and the iceberg broke into many pieces, falling with a noise like thunder to the deck. The passengers were violently shaken by the force of the collisions, but no lives were lost. The vessel was injured, but not beyond repair. She rebounded from the contact, trembling from stem to stern like a living creature. Then she moved forward on her way. That's out of Selected Messages, book one, page 206. So what I, when I was putting together this presentation, I was thinking, what can I use that would be an illustration for how to meet the enemy? By the way, when we say how to meet the enemy, do you all know who we're talking about? Amen. Okay, good. Well, we're going to surprise you here in a little bit, too. All right, so how to meet the enemy. We know that the scripture says to be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the one who is against you, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. Now, I've never been in Africa, so I've never been stalked by a lion before, but that's how they, that's how they work, right? They kind of stalk their prey and wait for the moment when they can pounce. And it's interesting, but this word, to be sober, means to be on top of it. It means to be alert. It means to be aware. It's not talking about what we think in terms of soberness as not drinking alcohol. So we say, be alert, be aware, because your adversary is after you. And then John 10.10, the thief comes to kill, steal, and to destroy. That is his purpose. He is after you. Are you do you agree with me? He is after you. He is stalking you, and he's not going to give up until he gets you. There is a battle waging behind the scenes for eternal life or eternal death. And it's very real. We sometimes, we don't like to hear that because it sounds too scary. But it's time for us to be sober. We need to sober up because it's real. But praise God, now I want you to, this is not on your notes. You can write it down if you want to. Revelation talks about the devil being cast out of heaven. And one-third of the angels were cast out with him to this earth. So we have Satan and one-third of the angels. What does that leave left? Two-thirds of the angels plus Michael plus the Father plus the Holy Spirit on our side. 
This is the war. Satan, one-third of the angels, versus the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and two-thirds of the angels. And just like Moses, who is on the Lord's side? Let him answer. Let him come to me. And so we have a choice on whose side we're going to be. We can go this way, or we can choose to be over here. I think I want to be with the majority, don't you? The thief comes to kill, to steal, to destroy, but I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly even here on this earth. Ephesians 6.12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness. So when I read that, my church is not the enemy. My husband is not the enemy. My family is not the enemy. My co-workers are not the enemy. So if we understand that, when that, that battle starts to get close to home, we need to stop and say, okay, this is not my enemy. I'm going to flee to my majority and give victory. This is the old man. Now, we, already, we know that the devil is our enemy, but there's one that's even worse. It's called the old man. Do you know what I'm talking about when I say the old man? Now, ladies, that includes you. I, I didn't want to put a picture of an old woman on there. But that includes us. We have an old man. It's called the old man of sin. It's our nature. And this is the one that is <laughs> the worst. It says, knowing this in Romans 6, 6, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Tell me, is this supposed to be a future thing, or is this a present tense? All those in favor of future, raise your hand. All those in favor of present tense, raise your hand. This is now. Crucify him. Crucify the old man. Now, our topic is how to meet the enemy. Now, we have to crucify the old man. Crucifixion is not a pleasant thing. It's painful. Gospel workers, page 475. Self is the enemy we most need to fear. No form of vice has a more baleful effect upon the character than has human passion not under the control of the Holy Spirit. No other victory we can gain will be so precious as the victory gained over... This, this is our journey. This is what takes a lifetime. It's daily, Jed gave you a definition of sanctification. Daily dying to self and daily conforming our will to God's will. Let's say it together. Sanctification is daily dying to self and daily conforming our will to His, to God's will. Okay? That's something, how many of you practice that? Well, you're brave to say yes, and I applaud those who didn't raise your hand because I didn't know that. We just go along with life thinking that, well, this is just natural stuff. 
And it is natural. It's the natural man. God is looking for supernaturalness in us. I guess we could say it that way. He's looking for something supernatural to happen in us. He is looking for a transformation to happen in our lives. When I was looking this way, and I was, I was not like he was. I didn't do the alcohol, the smoking, the drugs. But I was a nobody. I was a wallflower. I was that ugly little skinny girl in school. I still had those tendencies. And so when, I, when I'm looking that way and I responded to his love and now I'm walking with Jesus, then all of these other types of baggage things keep coming up. And Jesus says he wants to transform me into his image. Jesus is not insecure. So a transformation must take place. I had a hot temper. That was my way of protection, I guess. This hot temper. And thinking, well, this is normal. I'm a baptized person. I'm a Christian. I accepted it, Jesus accepted it. I accepted Jesus as my Savior, but yet I'm still thinking that my way is best and, and you better do it and you know what I mean? And so when, when I started searching for a deeper experience with Christ, he kept saying, you know what? We need to work on this area. We need to transform it. Make it new. The warfare against self is the greatest battle that was ever fought. The yielding of self, surrendering all to the will of God, requires a struggle. Is that right? But the soul must submit to God before it can be renewed in holiness. I must submit to God. In order for me to submit to God, I must know that he has my best good in mind. I must have faith that I can trust him. Now, I'm an adult. I'm a grandmother. I've lived. I've done it. I know it. But I have to have something outside of myself that I can say, I submit to you. And when I do that, what's the promise? What will happen in my life? Renewed in holiness. So submission equals holiness. Submission equals holiness. Say it with me. Submission equals holiness. Do you want holiness? How are you going to get there? Submission. 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 White flag in our battle. Christian education, page 122. And you will have spirit of prophecy and scriptures here, so plan on it. Those who become the followers of Christ find that new motives of action are supplied, new thoughts arise, and new actions must result. But they can make advancement, how? Only through conflict. For there is an enemy that ever contends against them, presenting temptations to cause the soul to doubt and sin. Let me tell you this. If, if that old devil can get you to doubt that God loves you, he will keep you pressed down. Do you know what is the result of that? Sherry, if, if he can get you to believe that you are worthless, 
that God does not love you, you will end up depressed. Depression. Depression, anxiety is his greatest tool. That's why when you go to a depression recovery seminar or you host one, you participate in one, these people are pressed down like a weight, a cloud on them that they cannot press through. And that's just where he wants you. So it requires a struggle. You can make advancement only through conflict. And who are you battling against? Who's that enemy? Self. We have our devil over here, and he's using me to fight (laughs) against me. Okay? Besides this ever-vigilant foe, oh dear, here we go. There are hereditary and cultivated tendencies to evil that must be overcome in many circles, many, many circles in our churches. Do not believe that we can overcome. When you start teaching or talking about a victorious Christian life and you use that word perfection, people just freak out. But if it's not possible, why are we given so much word on it? It has to be possible. Jesus did it. That you overcome even as I have overcome and I am sat down at my Father's throne. It is possible or he would not have said that you can do it. Yes, ma'am. I was taught that uh, I am an overcomer through Christ. That's right. Through Christ who strengthens me. Okay, so let's talk about temptation and sin. Are temptations and sin the same thing? Okay, some of you said no, some of you didn't say anything. We hear often, I sin all the time. I just sin all the time. From the time I get up in the morning to the time I go to bed at night, I sin all the time. Is that true? All right, so let's find out what God's word says, all right? James 1, 14 and 15. I want you to pay attention to the picture up here. Do you know what that green plant is? Venus flytrap. What does he do? He traps flies, right? Flying insects. So every man is tempted when he is drawn away in his own lusts and enticed. There are enticements out there. We're going along on our merry way, and there's this enticement over here to get us to draw attention to it. And then there's going to be one over here, and there's going to be one over here. And I'll tell you what, some people are bombarded all day long with temptation. But that does not mean that they have sinned all day long. Okay? Drawn away from his own lusts. What does that mean, his own lusts? His desires? some things that maybe have been in your past, okay? I'm not drawn away by that beer in the case with the condensation dropping down on the sides. That is not something that entices me. There are other things that entice me, okay? So we're not all on the same. Okay, next picture. When lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. How does it become sin? Conceive. Now, that word conception, ladies, we know what that means. It means something is planted there and begins to grow. 
Okay, then when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin and sin. When it is finished, what's the end result? Brings forth death. death. Something has to happen with that temptation in order for it to become sin in your life. You have to do something with that temptation in order for it to become sin. Are you with me? Just because you see something and it tempts you does not mean that you have fallen in that area or that you have sinned. So I want to give you some peace, all right? If you're wrestling with that and you think, I just sinned from the morning till night, I want to give you some hope. That's not necessarily true. Brother? What about uh, when Jesus said uh, that if you even look at a woman to lust after you've already sinned? Okay, we're going to get to that, not that particular verse. But what is that man doing? He is looking at her longingly. And then when that lust has conceived, it bears, it's, it becomes sin, right? So you can, you can look at that woman and you can think she's a fine looking woman. But remember yesterday he said the Holy Spirit is given to you to keep you from sin. That Holy Spirit is going to say, this is the way, walk ye in it. Look around, or you're looking too long, come away from that. We have to get used to, to uh, recognizing the Holy Spirit to keep us on the right path because we are dust. We are, well, we don't have 6,000 years, but we have plenty, you know, to deal with. And so we have to get used to, li to um, I don't say listening because people are going to think you're hearing voices, but recognizing recognizing the temptation. We're going to talk about how you do that. Here's a good example. All right, this is a buffet, right? You've all eaten at a buffet. Now, I have not been a vegetarian my whole life. I grew up eating hamburgers and hot dogs and fried chicken and fish sticks and bologna, you know, the whole works. So I'm in town doing some business. Okay. I had a lot on my plate, and I thought, okay, I'm just going to stop at this buffet. I'm going to go through the line, get a nice, healthy salad, and sit at the back table where no one can bother me. We didn't have cell phones back in those days. So I go through the line, <coughs> got my plate. You know how lovely they make the salad bar. I get to the end, and I think, okay, I'm going to go over here and get some of those yummy steamed carrots and broccoli. So I get over to the steamed carrots and broccoli, and all of a sudden it's like this enticement, this wafting of that chicken kind of comes up and it grabs my nose and pulls it over, and I'm thinking, wow, you know what I mean? Just like got my attention. So I find myself moving closer to the chicken. And this, this thought, go ahead. You're here by yourself. Look, eating a piece of chicken, that's not sin, is it? No, it's not. Eating a piece of chicken is not sin. Wow, really? You know, and I'm starting to think, this really smells good. Now we're talking about the flesh both ways. I find myself with that fork and spearing a breast of chicken with all that crunchy, crispy, crusty, and ready to put it on my plate when all of a sudden, no. What am I doing? Before 
I realized it, I was falling for the tempter. It doesn't matter what it is. Was eating the chicken sin? Where would my sin be? Not rejecting the, the promptings of the Holy Spirit and giving in to the tempter, just like Eve did. It doesn't matter what it is to recognize the temptation. And because we're human, sometimes it takes, takes a while. Remember, I'm not tempted by the beer, but I'm enticed by that chicken. KFC was my favorite. But I had to say no to my flesh and to that flesh. So I quickly got my food and went to the back table and, wow, Lord, thank you, thank you, you gave me victory. Was that a victory? It was. It was a victory for me. I did not get caught up and trapped by the enemy. So that was my story. Okay, so Mind, Character, and Personality, book 2, page 434. It's on your outline there. There are thoughts and feelings suggested and aroused by Satan that annoy even the best of men. Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, they all had this. They all faced it. Jesus faced it. The apostles faced it. Now here's the key. But if they are not cherished, if they are repulsed as hateful, the soul is not contaminated. You get that? Are you taking a picture? Not contaminated with guilt, and no other is defiled by their influence. So when does it happen, brother? What do you got to do with that thought? You've got to repulse it. Lord, I need your help. I am enticed by this. Come to my rescue. Because we are not strong enough on our own strength to meet the enemy. But we have to make a decision, a choice. We have to exercise what we call our free will. God gave it to us. You know, when you think about it, when he created man, he gave him everything we need to meet the enemy. He gave us tools to use, weapons to use. Song is a weapon we can use against discouragement. You all have a voice. You can play that instrument. Might need some fine-tuning, but you can do it. Thoughts from the Mount of Blessing. Yielding to temptation begins how? Permitting the mind to waver, to be inconstant in your trust in God. Allowing the mind to waver. How many of you have picked up your Bible and attempted to read, and then the mind is kind of over here and it's over there? Okay, temptation, yielding, yielding to temptation begins when we permit our minds to waver. Is it not a battle to bring your thoughts back? Do you wrestle with that, to bring your thoughts back? How many times do you pray, Lord, help me keep focused on this? I'm telling you, the battle is real, and we need him every step of the way. Not for a moment are we to depend upon our own strength, our own experience, our own wisdom. 
We need Jesus to help us with this. If we do not choose to give ourselves fully to God, I needed to choose to give myself fully to God even at the salad bar. And then even over at the carrots and broccoli bar. I had to choose, Lord, I have chosen to live your way. Deliver me from this. If we do not choose to give ourselves fully to God, then we are in darkness. And I I know that, that there are probably some here who maybe are hearing this for the first time. Maybe you've been a Seventh-day Adventist your whole life, maybe second, third, fourth generation Adventist. And you grew up thinking that the way you've lived, the way you have reacted to situations in your life have just been normal. It's just been part of your life. And when he came home from um, a seminar back in the early 80s, and he's telling me about this stuff about overcoming and, and, you know, well, I know he didn't direct it at me, but if you have a hot temper, then you're not in a saving relationship. And I got mad. I was just hot. How dare you say that I'm not in a saving relationship with my temper? Now, really. But you know what? It's good news, isn't it? If you find out that there's something that isn't right, it doesn't measure up to Jesus. It's good news. And you fall on your knees and you say, Lord, transform this life. Make me like you. Make me new. What are we going to do with our thoughts? Okay, here's some that I have. I'm only using myself here, okay? God doesn't love me. I'm ugly. I'm worthless. I have a lot of resentment. And I remember my past sins. What are we going to do with these thoughts? We, we just give them to how, Okay, wait a minute. Give them to God? What do you mean, give them to God? Every time it comes in, you say, Lord, take it, because I don't want it. Okay. Do, do, do you like, she said, give them to God. When these thoughts come into your mind, what do you do? Give them to God? And I asked her to tell me what that means. Sherry? Sometimes I have to visualize something that's really been on my heart or in my mind or my thoughts. I have to actually go to the cross and nail it. Okay. <laughs> Keep it there. All right, so... We, we talk, we throw out a lot of cliches. We say, give it to God, or just go pray about it, or, or whatever. But for me, I have to know what that means. Give me a picture of what that means. Well, to me, I mean, you just have to uh, reject it. Okay, so I remember my past... Those are, those are feelings and thoughts that the devil puts in your, your mind. Yeah. And, and you have to realize that... Just, yeah, it's not what the Bible says and it's not how God feels about you. And the devil can, when he does that, we, we, we need to be aware that, he, that he's able to do that. Because a lot of times, any old thought that comes into our mind, we just have this tendency to feel like the thought's coming from us. Yeah. It's my original thought. No, I'm not. No, it's not. Okay, so, yeah. Okay, so there's been times where the things in my past have come up, especially when I'm driving, you know. You did this and you did that, and that wasn't right. And I'm like, yeah, but I've already asked for forgiveness of those, and I've already asked Jesus to take them away, so they don't matter anymore. 
I mean, I have to really keep myself grounded in that form. Okay. Given them to Jesus, I can't dwell on it because I can't change. It's in the past. The past is gone. Your, your focus has to be in a certain area, right? Are, are you going to have these thoughts? Are they going to come there? They will. Okay, so here's what God's Word says. <coughs> Cast down imaginations. Bring those thoughts into captivity to Christ, into captivity to the will of Christ. She said it right. Give them to God. But there's, there's something about bringing them captive Gather them up, bring those thoughts, make them captive to the will of God. Send them back up to him. Yes, you're right, I did that. I'm guilty. But praise God for the atonement. Praise God for the blood of Jesus. He has forgiven me my sins. Resentment, oh yes, I've held resentment before. I've been bitter before. But Lord, change me. So when these thoughts, you bring them and you make them captivity to the will of Christ, You give them to him, Lord, are these things true? And if they are, search me, O God, and know my heart, and try me, and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. That's Psalm 139. It's not on your notes. Can I share something with the brother back there? If it's short. short. Okay. Remember yesterday, uh, when we gave our lives to Jesus Christ, we received new minds, right? Okay, this is for you, bro. Do not for a moment acknowledge Satan's temptations as to be in harmony with your own mind. And that's what you're saying. What's the reference there so they can write this it down? This is uh, second manuscript, releases 344, paragraph 1. But this uh, was really a blessing to me because Satan used to use all kinds of weird stuff to try to drive, drive me crazy, you know, with the past and stuff. But then I realized, I found this by accident, I realize, do not for a moment acknowledge Satan's temptations as in harmony with your own mind. And so then I did, and I said, I've got a new mind. He's, he's dealing with me on my old mind. And so then I'd redirect my thoughts. Yeah, we, we tell people to do that in, in the depression recovery and, and the stress management seminars. When those thoughts come in that are not positive, you have to redirect them. You have to, like in Philippians here, whatever things are, let's read it together. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are, whatsoever things are, if there be any, if there be any, think on these things. And I found that that eliminates the evening news. Okay? Even as much as we need to be informed, sometimes that can really bring us down. Okay, so think, we know what we need to be thinking on. We need to be thinking on Jesus. We need to be thinking on his power. We need to spend a thoughtful hour every day contemplating the life of Christ. And if you can spend, I'll tell you what, if you can spend one hour contemplating the life of Christ, you will find you will be spending three hours before you know it. You will sit there and devour what you have. And I know we're busy, aren't we? We're busy people. But I'll tell you what, a soldier takes time to prepare for his battle. I had a picture up here of, of rival teams. Now, understand, we're from Washington, the West Coast, so I had rival teams. I had Green Bay over here. What did I have over here? Yeah, Seattle. Seahawks, okay? So these rival teams... 
And when these rival teams know they're going to meet out on the field, they prepare themselves, they eat right, they get rest, they get exercise. They watch what they put in their minds so their mind can be sharp. They've got to play out there. They've got to, and, and they spend time watching the rival's films so they know, okay, he's going to do this, he's going to do that. So we have to be aware. We have to take care of this body temple. We have to watch what we put in our minds so the Holy Spirit can help us to be sober. Right? The pull of the flesh. Now, write this down on your paper. Everybody write this down. This is your assignment from the time we end today. And those of you who come back tomorrow, you need to tell me about how your assignment went. I want you to journal every time you feel the pull of the flesh, what it was, and it can be anything, what it was and how you dealt with it. I'll tell you, I felt the pull of the flesh yesterday, and I fell. I was in the store. They had a sale on the double Snickers. They had a sale on the double... Oh. <laughs> Journal. Every time you feel the pull of the flesh, what it was, and how you dealt with it. Okay? Pull of the flesh. <clears throat> the Christian will, will feel the promptings of sin, but must maintain a constant warfare against it. Does that tell you that you need to be watchful? Here is where help, Christ's help is needed. Human weakness becomes united to divine strength, and faith exclaims, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So the Christian is going to feel those promptings. And I'm going to give you another example of how that happens here. And I'm only using myself because I don't think it's fair to use my husband. Galatians 5.17 says, For the flesh wars against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. So how do you know when the flesh rises up? Well, there's a battle. There's something internal that goes on. <clears throat> he continues, These are contrary one to another. The flesh wars against the spirit. The flesh being the old man, the spirit being the renewed life. See, this is a revelation that hit me. I realized that once I responded to the love of Jesus and I gave my heart to him and I wanted to walk with him, that there was going to be a, a challenge in my life, that it was not going to be all roses. But I wouldn't change a thing. There is a warfare that's going on, and we are in the middle. But we have peace and joy and love in the journey. So don't be discouraged. You know, sometimes we are, we are tripped up, and sometimes we don't respond when the Spirit says, get out of there. I went into the dress barn and had some things put on layaway. Well, I didn't try them on first. I just put them on layaway. 
And then I came back to get them, took them home, tried them on, found out they didn't work. So I took them back. I exchanged. And so I didn't try on the new things. I took them home, tried them on, and they didn't fit. So, you know, I made like three trips in there. And I had this one clerk, this lady, was helping me. And I said, you know, can I exchange? Ma'am, you have exchanged now three times. And, you know, it's like it just met an answering cord within. I said, well, yeah, I know, but... Um, I wanted to say, well, the customer's always right, but I didn't. Um, so anyway, she was like in my face about this. And so I started feeling, like David says here, Psalm 39. I said, I will take heed to my ways that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle while the wicked is before me. I was dumb with silence. I held my peace even from good, and my sorrow was stirred. My heart was hot within me. While I was musing, the fire burned, and then spake I with my tongue. Okay, so this fire starts to burn within me. I'm start, starting to feel like, you know what? You're in my face, and this is my personal space. And I don't appreciate how you're responding to me. I'm a customer here. I've got almost $200 worth of garments here. And, you know, all I'm asking for is, see how this works? You start justifying. You start defending yourself. You start to think that you're in the right. But all this while, this is fuming. And so I finally said, I will never shop here again. And I slammed my garments on the counter. And I went out the door and I slammed it behind me. And there were people around. Okay, now, I was not proud of myself. I got to the car, my face was red, flushed. I was having a hard time breathing. You know how you, when you get really angry, it's just your whole body is just affected. He says, what is wrong with you? What happened in there? And I was just pouring out my heart, and it's like the Lord said, you know what? We really got to work on this. But I felt it. I felt it. And it was so hot inside that I could not detect the warning. You know what I mean? We get there, don't we? Learn to detect the warning so that you don't fall. You may fall. And we're going to tell you how to fix it. What you need to understand is the true force of the will. This is the governing power in the nature of man. The power of decision or of choice. I should have made a decision. When I started feeling that, that volcano bulging inside me, I should have directed my thought, Lord, I've sensed this weakness in me, and it's trying to take possession of my heart and my mind and my mouth. I needed to bring those thoughts into captivity to the will of Christ. What he would have done for me, and this is what he's done in the past, he would have said, okay, I've got this under control. And miraculously, a calm would have come over me. For I could have reasoned with that woman. 
I could have accepted the fact that maybe she was having a hard day herself. And I could have said, you know, I'm sorry to be so much trouble. You know what I mean? I could have handled it differently if I had detected the warning. And you've all been there. You know what I'm talking about. Everything depends on the right action of the will. The power of choice God has given to men, it is theirs to exercise. It's one of those things he put in man at creation. I know you're going to have a, a challenge with your life, but I'm going to give you everything you need. Everything you need to be victorious. You cannot change your heart. Steps to Christ 47. You cannot of yourself give to God its affections, but you can choose to serve him. Even if you don't feel it, you can choose to do it his way. Because honestly, don't we make a mess of things? Yeah? Selected Messages, book three. I thought this was really pretty awesome. Unless there is a possibility of yielding, temptation is not temptation. Have you thought of that before? Unless there's a possibility of yielding, temptation is not temptation. Like I said, I'm not tempted by that beer. Okay, there's no possibility of me yielding to that. I'm not even tempted there. Temptation is resisted when man is powerfully influenced to do a wrong action and knowing that he can do it, he resists by faith with a firm hold upon what kind of power? Whose power is that? Knowing that you can do it. I had the power to eat that chicken. I could do that. I could choose to do it. But resisting how? By faith. Justification is by faith. That's when you are just as if I had never sinned. By faith. When he says you are forgiven, by faith you believe it. By faith you accept it. By faith you apply it. Then after that, when you're walking with Jesus, now you're starting this sanctification, this process of transformation, this process of making you into his image. There's two parts there. Third part we call glorification. Councils to Parents, Teachers, and Students, page 425. Temptations from without find an answering cord within the heart, and the feet slide imperceptibly into sin. So we need to find out what those are. This was one of the areas that, that my feet would slide imperceptibly into. Music, dancing, that was all so much a part of my life. And he talked about the <laughs> dancing in the soup aisle there at the grocery store. But when I go into a store and those songs start, it's like it has an answering cord in my heart. And my body wants to react the same way it did in my younger years. And my mind, my buttons, they call them the boutons in your brain, has been so filled with the lyrics of those songs back in the day that when it starts to play, it's all right there. I need to redirect. I need to make new pathways in my brain. I need to put things that are holy and just and good and lovely in there. I don't want to remember what that song reminded me of in my past. 
It reminded me of those broken relationships, of how ugly I felt, of how rotten I was. So this is an answering cord. So I need to be aware of that and not allow. I need to choose. And I've gone to a manager in the store, and I've told them, excuse me, can you please turn your music off? I'm having a real difficult time shopping in your store without music. We'll be in Taco Bell, and we can't even talk right here. I can't even, I can't hear you because the music is blaring. Okay, I'm going to take care of that. Excuse me, um, can you please turn your music off? I cannot even have a conversation. We'll be in here for maybe 20 minutes, and you can turn it back on. But you have to make a choice. You have to make a decision. You can either get out of it, or you can ask someone politely if they'll help you out. Or shop at Hobby Lobby. They play religious music. I love Hobby Lobby. <laughs> <clears throat> Another answering chord in my heart. Selfish, hopeless, careless, lazy, wrong, no good, bad, unlovable, worthless, ugly, stupid. Those things will plague me. Still, I wrestle. I'll tell my husband, I just, I, I get so easily intimidated or I, I just don't feel like I can do it. All these insecurities start to just overwhelm me. And I have to remember who I am in Christ. And that it's not about me. It's about him working through me. We were in the Philippines and I had to stand up on the platform a woman, and give a sermon for an evangelistic series with 3,000 people out there. Do you think I was a little intimidated? Oh, yeah. But it's Christ working in me. It's him. He said, I will finish the work I've started in you. Amen. Right? So when are you the most susceptible? Here's something you can write. I think it's down on your notes there. Number one, when you're irritable. Now, you know, what a, you know what a meltdown is? When someone has a meltdown, you know what that is? Are you, are you susceptible to, to um, being pressed down? Oh, yeah. So when you're irritable, take note. That's a warning. You're going to need extra grace. Spend more time on your knees when you're irritable. Number two, when you're hungry. When you get, any of you get low blood sugar? And it's just like, he'll pick, <laughs> we'll be in town doing business or something, and, and I'm, okay, it's like 1.30. Well, where do you want to eat? I don't care. Do you want this? No, but just find something. So when you're hungry, you're more susceptible. When you're tired, you're exhausted, right? How about you have spiritual confidence? Scripture says, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he falls. How about when you're not watching? Now, maybe I can do this, but I'm sure it's impossible. But how many of you can see a big hole in the ground and fall into it? You see it, and yet you fall into it. If you're not, a person falls or they're tripped when they're not watching. Their, their eyes are focused on something else. Boom, there's a pole, and they smack into it, or, or they trip over a curb or something. <coughs> when you're not watching, Jesus said to do two things. Watch and pray. Watching alone is not going to cut it. You have to watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. 
So how do we fight the enemy? Here we go. Let's wrap it up. Number one, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. Number two, submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Out of the devotional book, You Shall Receive Power, page 356, when temptation comes upon us, we need spiritual discernment that we may detect Satan's agency and cling to Jesus. You need spiritual discernment. How are you going to get that? How do you get it? You spend time in the Word of God. You spend that thoughtful hour contemplating the life of Christ. You know, there is, I don't want to say magic, but there is something. Who has a Bible? I left mine on the table. This is very lovely. It's purple. Here. I got this. There is something powerful in this word. It's not a book. This is the word of God. This is the life of God given to you. It's full of testimonies of men and women of faith who have fought on the battlefield and have been victorious. This word will transform your life the word with the Holy Spirit. I had a, a student one time. Love letter. I was teaching. It's a love letter, yes. I was teaching in an alternative high school, GED lab, and one young man came in. <clears throat> he was just all on fire, and they knew I was a Christian. Jody, you know what? I've been going to this church, and I'm just like on fire, and, and you know, I'm just you know, learning so much. The Spirit's just like living in me. And I said, so what are you reading in the scriptures? Oh, don't need the scriptures. I've got the spirit. So, well, you know, the scriptures is the word of God. Oh, but if we have the Holy Spirit, he directs us now. I said, yes, the Holy Spirit directs you through the word of God. You need both, friends, the word and the spirit. Every moment it is necessary to fight the good fight of faith for doubt must be resisted, and faith must be encouraged. <clears throat> in temptation, inclination must be overruled by reason. I, I like to think of it this way. Your brain has to be master over your belly. Reason has to overrule inclination. So the way that you would naturally react in a given situation has now got to be overruled by reason. Stop and think. In the dress barn, if I had stopped to think, I would have overruled my inclination to defend myself. We're talking about transformation of character. When the character of Christ is perfectly reproduced in his people, then he will come and take them home. Do you want the character of Christ perfectly reproduced in your life? He'll start a, he started a work in you, and he will finish it. Our job is to work with him 
in cooperation with him. You know what it's like if your boys don't want to cooperate with you, right? There's havoc. Children are not safe if they don't cooperate with their parents. And we're not safe if we don't cooperate with him. I love this. Great Controversy, page 530. Satan is well aware that the weakest soul who abides in Christ, Jed talked about abiding in Christ yesterday. What does that mean? It means to stay with him. It means to dwell with him. It means to make your every moment with him is more than a match for the hosts of darkness and that should he reveal himself openly, he would be met and resisted. Therefore, now here's his plan, he seeks to draw away the soldiers of the cross from their strong fortification while he lies in ambush with his forces ready to destroy all who venture upon his ground. What does he draw them away from? What's he draw them away from? There's strong fortifications. What are those strong fortifications? I'm sorry if I keep asking questions because I have to have pictures, Renee. I have to know what that means. There's strong fortifications. I'll be reading or studying something and I'll stop on this. What does that look like? What does that mean? And it takes me clear out here and around and I come back. Okay, this whole passage makes sense. What are those strong fortifications? Do you know? The armor of God. The armor of God. What else? Prayer. Prayer. What else? Study. Study of the Word of God. You go home and you read the chapter out of the Great Controversy, The Snares of Satan. He's your strong fortification. Another one is you attend prayer meeting at your church. And I heard a big old gasp from the crowd. Are you kidding me? Another day in church? Are you serious? Your strong fortification means that you meet with fellow believers. You share your experiences. You encourage one another. You need one another. You go to prayer meeting. If there's a Vespers at your church, you're there. Every Sabbath, you're in Sabbath school and the church service. I know, it's hard. Your strong fortifications is to be wherever the word of God is proclaimed. He wants to seek to draw you away from that. That chapter says that he will, he'll see the minister of God pouring over the, spirit, over the scriptures and he'll find, okay, that person needs to hear exactly what the pastor's going to present, so I'm going to get that person engaged in some other business to keep him away. If you are kept away from that strong fortification where the word of God is proclaimed, you can bet that that old devil is keeping you away from it. Sorry, it's just the way he works. Tried to stop me from coming here today. Last night when I was sleeping, I got bit on the eye. I'm sorry. He tried to stop me from coming here, but well, my sister said, well, you don't <laughs> have to write things down and read it. Oh, I gave you an outline. No man is safe for a day or an hour without prayer. And I have to confess, I need to, I need to strengthen that in my experience. Especially, should we entreat the Lord for wisdom to understand his word? Why? Because here are revealed the wiles of the tempter and the means by which he may be successfully resisted. 
In the scriptures, you're going to find out what his plan is and how you can best meet him. We're not safe for a day or an hour without prayer and Bible study. We're talking about this whole seminar here. This whole seminar is not just to come and hear Jen and Jody Jensen's stories about how they messed up. The seminar is to help you understand. When we get down to the last few slides here, I'm going to tell you exactly why Satan wants to keep people away from hearing this. Okay? How can I keep from falling? Number one, consecrate yourself to God in the morning. Make this your very first work. Consecration in the morning. Lord, I'm yours. Take me today. Live in me today. Work through me today. <coughs> Think through me today. Help me keep my eyes focused on you today. Whatever it is, you consecrate him. Consecrate in the morning. I like to make it a practice. I need to consecrate my mind. I need to consecrate my eyes. I need to consecrate this mouth. I need to consecrate my feelings and emotions to God. So do that first thing in the morning. And if you mess up in the morning, then do it when you think about it. The Holy Spirit's not going to let you forget to do that. He's going to remind you, remember, you need to consecrate yourself to me today. Oh, but I've got to fix breakfast. I know. But take a moment and consecrate yourself to me. Let me take care of the rest of your day. You don't understand what's ahead for you. Consecrate to me first. Number two, trust him to keep you. I love this, 2 Timothy 1.12. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him against that day, against the day of temptation that Revelation talks about. And then Jude 24, now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you perfect. He wants to present you perfect before the throne of glory with exceeding joy. Because it's what he has done in you. Number three, you need to choose him. Joshua 24, 15, choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house... We will serve the Lord. Number four, fix the word in your heart. Psalm 119.11, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Number five, watch for temptation triggers. Hebrews 12.1, lay aside the weight and the sin that does so easily trip us up. You know what that is. And if you don't know what it is, ask the Lord to reveal it to you. What is that thing that so easily trips me up? How come I keep falling here, Lord? I found one. I don't know if I have it on here or not, but sometimes the Lord will allow us to make mistakes to keep us from making bigger ones. So he can say, okay, this is what that looks like. Don't give Satan a foothold. Romans 13, 14. This is number six. Don't give Satan a foothold. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. That means I'm not going to hang out with those people who play that music that so easily trips me up. I'm not going to find myself in places that are going to show on a screen images that are going to be infiltrated into my mind to push out the good that I've already put in there. And I'm not going to bring this stuff into my home. Okay? So make no provision for the flesh. 
When you know where your weaknesses are, don't give in to playing around with it. And at Taco Bell, <laughs> this is where I was surprised. There's going to be a times when you might be surprised and, and just overcome like that. And you, before you even know it, it's there. My little brother was, we were living over in western Washington. My brother was in eastern Washington. He called, he says, you know, our, our high school's having a concert. It's kind of a, a um, where, where they're competing. It's a competition. And so I'm going to be there for the weekend. Can I stay with you? Well, sure, come on over. That'd be great. So Friday night, we're taking him into Seattle to this place where his band is going to be playing. And we're hungry. So we pull into Taco Bell. Now, I have to confess that I do not like eating in the car, especially Taco Bell. Because you know when you get those burritos and you try to be eating them and the stuff squirts out the side and it gets down the front of you and I don't like food on my hands. You give me, don't give me one napkin. Give me a stack. So here we are, we're at Taco Bell. We go through the drive-thru. And um, I said, honey, please, can we just go inside? No, we're running late. <sighs> I hate eating in the car. So we get our stuff. now. I have my daughter in the back, my brother in the back, and I've got all the food up here. So I'm, what am I doing? You know what you're doing. Okay, here's your burrito here. I put my beverage on the dash. So my husband sees an inn on this busy three, highway 320. And he pulls out. You know what happened. In slow motion. Oh, and I just went like this. I hate eating in the car. And I punched him. I know you guys are just like, how could you do that to your husband? Just like that. My reaction. You may have a reaction. I didn't plan to react that way. I didn't think how I was going to react if we would get into traffic. You know, it was a reaction. Okay, now I found this. It's really awesome. Galatians 6.1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you become tempted. The word overtaken, this is in Gospel Workers, it's not on your outline, page 397, 398. This word overtaken describes something different from deliberate sin. See the difference? Deliberate sin, that's transgression. You choose to step over the line and do it anyway. It applies to one who is led into sin unaware through a want of watchfulness and prayer, not discerning the temptation of Satan and falling into his snare. He knew I didn't like eating in the car, so he's going to make my life miserable. There is a difference to be made in the case of one who deliberately enters into temptation, who marks out an evil course, covering his sins skillfully. Are you with me? Making a mistake, a reaction, yeah, it was wrong. But that doesn't mean that it was deliberate. Deliberate means that you're planning to do it. You've been warned by the Lord, and yet you still reject the Holy Spirit, the Word of God that wants to keep you from that. That's dangerous. Because the more you do that, pretty soon, you're not going to respond to the Holy Spirit at all. And that, my friends, is the unpardonable sin. You watch for a way of escape, number seven. God is able and will make a way of escape for you, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Number eight, you get away from the situation. Isaiah says, come my people, 
enter your chambers and shut the doors behind you. Sometimes you just have to get away from it all and hide yourself for a while until the indignation is passed. You may have to, with children, Mrs. White says sometimes she would tell her son, I will not talk with you about this now. She would get away from the situation because she knew that if she dealt with it right then, it would not be dealt with in the right way. So you know how you're thinking. You know how you're feeling. You need to get out and you need to pour your heart into God's word and through prayer and asking him to give you his spirit. Right? Jody, my children grew up teaching the younger ones always that don't worry, she's screaming. You're fine. She will never touch you while she's screaming. If she calms down and she talks to you in a calm voice, using big words, you are in trouble. Oh, dear. <laughs> so number nine, remain steadfast, immovable. Galatians 5.1, stand fast in the liberty you have received and don't become entangled in your old ways. Remember, you put that old man to death. Crucify that old man. All those old ways, your old thoughts, everything has to become new, Christ said. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. Behold, I make all things new. He gives that to you. So what if I fall? Your weakness, this is Review and Herald, it is not on your outline. May 27, 1884 says, Your weakness and sinfulness, sinfulness are known to him. Hallelujah. While you cannot rejoice over this, you may rejoice that Jesus is your righteousness. He makes up for your inadequacies. I know I can't do it, Lord. He says, that's okay. I've already done it. Your weakness may be manifest by his grace and power, for your conscious weakness drives you to him. Your weakness drives you to him. The faith I live by, page 118, we shall often have to bow down and weep at the feet of Jesus because of our mistakes and shortcomings. But do not become discouraged. Even if we are overcome, we are not cast off, not rejected by God. Remember, respond to repentance and confess your wrongdoing. 1 John 1, 9. Remember, there is forgiveness. Psalm 130, verse 4. Remember, get back up. Proverbs 24, 16. Remember, you have an advocate. 1 John 2, 1. Remember, he is interceding. When tempted to sin, let us remember that Jesus is pleading for us in the heavenly sanctuary. When we put away our sins and come to him in faith, he takes our names on his lips and presents them to his Father, saying... I have graven them on the palms of my hands. I know them by name. And the command goes forth to the angels to protect them. That's Heavenly Places, page 264. Testimony 7, page, one, page 17. Nothing is apparently more helpless, yet really more invincible than the soul that feels it's nothingless and relies wholly on the merits of the Savior. We must rely only upon the merits of Jesus Christ to give us victory. We have to work in cooperation with him. I can't go out and eat like a hog and expect him to keep me healthy. I've got to work with him. So I only ate half of that double Snickers bar. 
God would send every angel in heaven to the aid of such a one rather than allow him to be overcome. Christ's Object Lessons, page 331. If you make mistakes, yes, if you make mistakes, you certainly gain a victory if you see these mistakes and regard them as beacons of warning. Thus, you turn defeat into victory, disappointing the enemy and honoring your Redeemer. Do you make mistakes? <clears throat> yes. The Lord may permit you to make small mistakes in order to save you from making larger mistakes. Go to Jesus and ask him to forgive you and then believe that he does. And as I, I wrestled, I'd go to prayer meeting or Sabbath school and... Um, I'd, I'd hear testimonies like, oh, I let go of the hand of God and I blew it. Or I let go of Jesus, I took my eyes off of Jesus and I blew it. And I'm really getting worried. I'm thinking, oh man, does my salvation depend upon my hold on Christ? And I asked, does my salvation depend on my hold on Christ? And no one had an answer for me. And I found this, if our salvation depended upon our own efforts, we could not be saved. But it depends on the one who is behind all the promises. And who is that? Our grasp on him may seem feeble, but he, his love is that of an elder brother. So long as we maintain our union with him, no one can pluck us out of his hand. The Acts of the Apostles, 553. That just gave me so much courage. Now here's, here's why. Here's why you guys are here. The enemy of God and man, Gospel Workers, page 160, is not willing that the righteousness of Christ should be clearly presented. For he knows that if you accept it, if you accept it and you start applying these principles and you are determined to live according to his will and allow him to transform your life, his power will be broken. Is that what you want? Amen. Do you want to continue to be a slave to, to Satan and your old ways? If he can control minds so that doubt and unbelief and darkness shall compose the experience of those who claim to be the children of God, then he can overcome them with temptation. Praise God, he has not left us. Now, my appeal to you is this. It's out of Thoughts on the Mount of Blessings, page 9. Whatever may have been your past experience, however discouraging your present circumstances, if you will come to Jesus just as you are, weak, helpless, and despairing, our compassionate Savior will meet you a great way off and will throw about you his arms of love and his robe of righteousness. He presents us to the Father clothed in the white raiment of his own character. And he pleads before God in our behalf, saying, I have taken the sinner's place. Look not upon this wayward child, but look on me. Does Satan plead loudly against our souls, accusing of sin and claiming us as his prey? Praise God, the blood of Christ pleads with greater power. Amen. So today, folks, today you have an opportunity as you, as you walk out those doors to determine that you want to live for Christ, you want to have that experience 
of victory after victory after victory, and that you'll know what to do if you fall. Okay? If, if you would like to, just raise your hand as I pray and say, Lord, that is my desire, then I invite you to do that. Lord Jesus, thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for the spirit of prophecy that helps us so much. Forgive us, Lord, for where we have been ignorant of your way. Forgive us for where we have failed so miserably. But Lord, we want to start a new life today. Please take these vessels, this clay, and start a new work in us. I pray in Jesus' name. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.